all you beautiful people and you fucking nerds. This is K-Par, aka Rated Par, once again for another episode of Flick Chart Debates. We said it was going to be versus, but... We've settled on Flick Chart Debates because it's your podcast. It is, but I also I feel that versus has been done to death. Versus is something that is just a little too ambiguous. You know, you can do versus for so many things. For this, Flick Chart Debates is a better way to put it. It understands what it all is, and we get to make sure that everybody on the audience knows where we're pulling all of our info. Yeah. G. Rose, everybody. Jordy Rose here again for happy, another... Happy, happy Wednesday. Wednesday. Um, so, here we go again. And for those of you who have not heard this episode and are tuning in for the first time, this is what we do, try to do on Wednesdays. Some days I post it on other days, but... The schedule I try to stick to is Wednesdays, and basically, we go to flickchart.com. It is a website that tries to aggregate your top 20 films of all time by putting some of the best films ever against each other, forcing you to make a decision. Well, we go to this website, we click on, on buttons until it puts films together that we can't possibly make a black or white decision on. We debate it out, and at the end of the episode, we will have a clear winner. So far, it is tied. It is. It is tied 1-1 right now. Well, no, it's 2-1 for you. Right. Because you changed my mind twice on the first episode, and I got you once back on the second episode. That's true. Yeah, but uh, trying to tie things up, because that is what I strive to do, is be as good as my friends, not better <laughs> than them. <laughs> and for our first matchup... Holy fuck. Yeah, we've got a, a really, really good one. This is arguably, like, hard R drama action suspense. Top 20 movies of all time. One heavily influenced by the other, I would say. Unbelievably, yeah. Um... And also, actually, both films kind of influenced from the same same grindhouse gangster drama. Yep. Anyways, enough titty tatting around. It is 1983's Scarface, starring Al Pacino, against 1994 Quentin Tarantino classic Pulp Fiction. Absolute masterpiece. Which moment of shame now turned moment of pride. I have oh, finally yeah. seen Pulp Fiction, having been on this earth for 20, the better part of 29 years, having never seen Pulp Fiction up until about six months ago. What was that like? I want to know what was that, what was that like, it, it was watching a, it, was it for a, the first time. Oh, were you by yourself, or did you watch it with somebody? I thought you were going to say, what was it like having never seen it? And I was going to say, I said, yeah, it was, a, it was a very nice way to live, having not seen that <laughs> movie. But having seen it my, uh, the first time by myself... Um, yeah, I finally decided to watch it. It was up on Netflix. Uh, tossed it up on my TV, sat down, had, uh, I don't even remember what I had. I had like some crazy expensive dinner that I uh, made for it and then just sat and watched the entire movie start to finish, no breaks, nothing. And I completely understand why this is one of the highest rated movies of all time. It is incredible. It is what, four movies just kind of jammed into one? Four storylines. Four storylines, yeah. yeah. And it's it's so well executed. All of the like minor details that come uh, that encompass everything, the some of the most quotable lines. I mean, still the sequence with Travolta with the gun over the back seat. And then oh god, oh it's oh god, it's everywhere. Yeah. It's so good. And it's still mimicked by movies to this day. Yeah. Yeah. So that one for me was just an incredible experience to see. And also at the right age, right? I was 28. Like, I understood all the background. I knew Quentin Tarantino had created this masterpiece movie that everybody said was amazing, that it's his best movie of all time. You know, I'm a big fan of Inglorious Bastards, a big fan of... Um, Reservoir Dogs? Reservoir Dogs. Um, not so much of his Grindhouse uh, double yeah. feature. That was the thing that kind of missed the mark for me. I'm not the biggest Kill Bill fan in the world, but this classic 90s, especially with the Tarantino side to things, loved it. But at the same time, Scarface. Fuck, yeah. Scarface. Scarface one of the... The Al Pacino movie to end all Al Pacino movies. Say hello to my little friend. Yeah, 
just... Also just as quotable, just as influential as Pulp Fiction, if not maybe a bit more. Uh, I would say more influential because it influenced Scarface. It influenced, it influenced a whole Pulp Fiction in decade a way, of hip-hop stars, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> um, Mountains of cocaine. Pretty much. Yeah. Like, it, like that whole mid, late, like throughout all the 90s, all hip-hop gangsters wanted to be Scarface. Oh, every music video through the 90s of any kind of, you know, heavier rap side of things, it was based around Scarface. Yeah. Right? And great music great style just such a hard r violent violent fucking movie. violent fucking movie um, but heartfelt like there was legitimate a lot of like tugs on on your feelings in that movie right everything between him and his mom between him and uh, his brother and then everything going fucking sideways and him just dealing with it so i love the style of that film too all the bright neon pink yeah the cars the suits the rise to well, power because it's very much you know uh i'm trying to remember it's not la is it where's where it set it's in miami miami yeah miami. miami miami in the 80s right that's what it was is it was the loud suits it was the big collars and the long jackets yeah and rolled up sleeves everywhere and then the uh uh, tail tailwing cars. I forget exactly what they're yeah. called, but the ones with the high uh, high tails on the end. That's what it was. I would I would make an argument that Scarface is more violent than Pulp Fiction. More violent, yes. More gore, grotesque, no. Because when you take into account Pulp Fiction with the whole sequences with the gimp, with the sequences of cleaning up the car, but a lot of shit is done off camera. Oh yeah. Oh, it's true. It a lot and of like there are some things in Scarface is, but I remember being really young and watching that scene in the bathtub where he's like, "You're going to watch this," and starts like slicing his friend in half in the Jesus. chainsaw in the bathtub. I forgot about that. Actually. Right? Yeah. Like, you're right. Holy it's shit! It's been a while since I've seen Scarface. I'll admit. So when he finds that, when he uh, is trying to prove himself, I think to that drug lord, and there's that rat that gets thrown off the helicopter. And they're all being hung. I don't actually remember that off the top of my head. Um, I, I think I need to go back and revisit Scarface, actually, because oh, I remember it being incredibly, incredibly powerful, incredibly influential, but I don't remember a lot of the details about it. It's, it's probably been a good five years since I've seen it. Every time I watch Drive, I, f- I see it heavily influenced from Scarface. Hmm. Down to the synth 80s-style music, to the neon lights, to... Yeah. Those weird sort of sequences that's kind of slow mode with like heavy synth in the background. There's even like a, there's that scene in Drive where they all come and ambush him at the department and he has to like blow someone away with a shotgun in the bathtub and it's there's blood everywhere. Um, Man, I'm, I must be misremembering because I don't remember it being that gory. I remember it being a lot of um bullet action that there was a oh, lot yeah. of bullet impacts and blood from that but i don't i really don't remember a lot of the sequences but um, now respect it comes down to who walks away from this fight scarface or pulp fiction now it's hard to i think this comes down to who you talk to because in a lot of ways they're they've got the styles are definitely different Definitely different. Pulp Fiction is way more 70s inspired in the filmmaking. 70s inspired in the filmmaking, multiple storylines, intersections between those. It's not following one Great soundtrack. Unbelievable. But so does Scarface. It's such a good 80s soundtrack. It's true. Um, And that's one one of my sort of cinematic wet dreams I've always talked about is I've always wanted Quentin Tarantino to take what he does with 70s grindhouse and western influences to make films and to do a 90s or 80s version of that Hmm. and maybe that's what scarface would be (laughs) if he did that oh god quentin tarantino reboot of scarface that'd be so fucking oh my god that'd be amazing um but so where where does where the hits and misses come i mean i think script wise Pulp Fiction by a hair, I, I think, because it, of all of the multiple storylines yeah. and different characters, and how each one 
each person you meet in Pulp Fiction is memorable. Is memorable. They could have made a movie of any of those guys and for two hours, and it would have been good. Yeah, and that was that was the thing from my perspective as well, is that the whole interconnection of the storylines and having each character, you know their motivation is, you know why they're there, you know what they're trying to do, you start to have that attachment to them, you know what's going on in their lives for every character from every one of the storylines. For Scarface, you have a few of those characters, but the primary is Tony Montana. That is who the character is. That is what the movie is about. It's his life. So when we take into account story... Michelle Pfeiffer, too, though. Michelle Pfeiffer is, too, yeah. Um, When I take into account story, the fact that Scarface is about one character for that long and is so good throughout Mm -hmm. i agree that pulp fiction has more storylines that are all equally good but i don't quite think it's on that pulp fiction level but at the same time i'm also jaded because i haven't seen scarface in a really long time i'll admit that Mm -hmm. so i i'm happy either way pulp fiction for me i saw it less than six months ago i understand completely the influence and impact that it had on everybody's lives i understand why it's such an amazing tarantino film I'm happy to go with Pulp Fiction, but this would be something that I would want to revisit after seeing Scarface again, right? Take, you know, a couple of months from now when I wasn't, you know, 17 or 18 watching Scarface because that's what you did. It was a rated R movie and then you were able to see it, you know, because your parents were like, okay, yeah, we can finally watch this movie. Um, And, you know, you didn't catch some crazy bleeped censored version that was running on TSN or Fox uh, uh, or CBC movies back in the day. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's kind version. of why I tear towards Pulp Fiction ever so slightly is because, like, Scarface is amazing. One of Al Pacino's best performances of all time. One of the best gangster films of all time. Yep. But why I kind of lean slightly towards Pulp Fiction is because Scarface feels like you know, a, could have been a character in Pulp Fiction almost and got his own spinoff. Yep. Whereas that writing ability of having to balance all those characters and not having any of them feel boring or like, okay, like get past this guy, let's get to this storyline. Even the shortest storyline of, uh, I can never remember his name, but the British guy, he, had his, he was the, in the show Lie to Me. Um, he played uh, one of the guys. He played Abomination. Oh, the, when Hulk. they robbed the diner. When they robbed the diner. Yeah, yeah. like his storyline is there for at the beginning of the movie and at the end of the movie. And, and they're that's both it. so great. And they're they're fantastic. Yeah, but, like you understand their motivations. You understand what's going on. There's interactions between them, Travolta and um, Samuel L. Jackson. There's no part of that that I'm like, oh, this is just a a random throw-in that they had to have to tie off a loose end. Yeah, right. No, and that is important. Multiple to themes, the story. multiple storylines, multiple lessons learned from characters, multiple perspectives. Yeah, and Tony Montana is very much like, I want all the power, all the money, all, all the cocaine. The cocaine. <laughs> yeah. I want to bury my face in it, live yeah. there forever in a nice winter wonderland. <laughs> Um, yeah. but there's obviously way more to Scarface than just that, but yeah, it's, when you come up against Pulp Fiction, that's what it has going for it the most, that it's so multi-layered yeah. that way, mm-hmm. that it's like, you know, you get, I'm just trying to think of like a food analogy, where you get something and it's very like solid and plain, but it's the best version of that. It's spaghetti and meatballs versus lasagna. Yes, right? I love lasagna too. I love, and that's um, the thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is and where you, you're getting you, all the layers, you're getting all the different pieces, and you can separate it and enjoy each layer individually. And then you eat the whole thing together, and it's incredible. Mm-hmm. Spaghetti and marinara, spaghetti and meatballs. That's what it is. It's that until the end of the plate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, yeah, I, I'm leaning towards Pulp Fiction as well. But I think for me, I also, I do need to go back and revisit Scarface because my opinion could change. I just don't remember the movie well enough. It's been far too long. Well, in the in the fight of Scarface versus Pulp Fiction, it looks like Pulp Fiction has taken this one. For sadly now, at least. to say. Yeah, we might revisit this again. We might revisit this down We'll do an episode called Revision. (laughs) Revision, yeah. (laughs) We are going to revisit this because we're not happy with the decision. Exactly. And a big part of this as well is being able to mark movies onto our blacklist, our list of shame, and then go back at some point down the road and be able to take those movies off of our list of shame and actually find out where they're going to rank once we take a look at what we're missing.
Alrighty. Right. Next up on our list, we have the Goonies, nineteen eighty-five <laughs> versus AI, artificial intelligence, two thousand one. I'd say this is a relatively easy one yeah. even for us, even though it was a little bit before our time. Goonies is very much up our alley, right? Goonies is fucking amazing. It is. <laughs> like, one of the best child-performed films of all time, full of adventure, hope, hilarity. Josh Brolin, when he was, like, 16, 16 17. Yeah. Um, truffle Shuffle before it was the Truffle Shuffle. Yeah. No contest. <laughs> no it contest. It is the Goonies. It is the Goonies. Next up, we have a... Modern classic versus a fan favorite in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1 versus Kill Bill Volume 2. That I didn't even realize until I said it out loud that they're both volumed films. It would have actually been almost ama more amazing if it was Guardians Volume 2 versus Kill Bill Volume 2. I think two. that would have been an easy It would have been an easier. Yeah. But... At the same time, it would have been more funny for the two volume twos of which was the better sequel. So this is going to be fucking tough because you have Marvel's biggest risk at the time. Marvel's dark horse. Yeah. Right? Like this was their, this was their test of can we do anything and get away with it? Yeah? Oh, cool. Let's just do that again. And again, and again, and and we're rich. Yeah. <laughs> and we're rich. And we're rich. The crazy ragtag space criminal fucking gang of... I don't... Oh, I just get excited to even try to describe this film. The reintroduction of Chris Pratt, his breakout, look at me, I'm sexy role. You know, the gratuitous orange shower scene so he's sweating just so he can take that like well not reintroduction he was not a this was his well i guess he got was. muscly for he got muscly for this no he was he was in um uh a war film where he played a soldier that he got jacked up for at first then he got casting okay. for this so but whatever war film that was you can't remember the name of it, and I haven't heard of it, so this. Yeah, no, this. <laughs> it was for that, but this was the breakout, like, big screen. You know, I'm the, the chubby funny guy on Parks and Rec who's in all the blooper reels oh, no, and everybody it, loves. Yeah, and it then made him a star. Other movie, a star. and then this. And now he is everything to everybody, Mr. Good Guy, you know, the, the young Tom Hanks of Hollywood. Another of example of great characters coming together... Great Rocket Raccoon, actors. Groot, Drax, Gamora, Star-Lord, fun dialogue, great Yondu. action. Yeah, Yondu, can't forget him. Uh, amazing, amazing soundtrack. One of the best movie soundtracks in the last few years. I'd say it's one of the best movie soundtracks since the year 2000. Probably since Pulp Fiction. <laughs> That's not the year 2000. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, and especially because this is one of the things is Guardians of the Galaxy that I specifically remember the soundtrack was so good that Disney and Marvel, well, actually, this was pre-Disney, wasn't it? 2000. No, this, no, Disney, no 2014. Disney Sorry. had it, yeah. Sorry, Disney had it, yeah. Um, that Disney and Marvel put out the soundtrack for free on Spotify, on uh, YouTube, on every streaming service. You could just download the soundtrack because they were so proud of what it was. And wanted the the hype to be there and the hype to be real for the movie. And then they realized how good the movie was and how great it was doing. And then they pulled it. Immediately. Couldn't find those songs anywhere. You had to get like some rip-off version that had like a live version of one of the songs. Because it was uh, non-DRM -DR uh, locked. But yeah, Guardians, Guardians 1 is a movie that I've seen. God knows how many times. Yeah. Like, this was one that I remember seeing in theaters going, what the hell was that? Seeing it again the next day because I didn't I didn't get it. And then I realized, I'm like, this is just great. And then the second I could torrent, because we all, <laughs> we all legally download our movies on this podcast. That's right. Yes, torrent. That movie, I downloaded it, stuck it on my phone, and it was like my go-to thing to watch when i was you know taking the sky train into work and then traveling home 
just having that on in the background, not even for the scenes, not even for the character development, but for the soundtrack and to like look at my phone and just see something that was so visually stunning, right? It took you right back into that 80s neon, like we were talking about with Scarface, that 80s neon, high vibrancy, everything right in your face, funny moments, great interactions between characters, uh, an introduction of these completely unknowns and arguably now the most quoted line in Marvel movie history. I am Groot. Yeah. The group of ragtag criminals coming together to be good guys. And like, especially going from the movies that came before where they were all one hero, one film led storylines. And this was a group film yep. apart from the Avengers. But and the it, Avengers, you know, the amalgamation of, you know, however many backstory movies, uh, origin stories, sequels to those movies that came out and then Avengers came out. Uh, whereas this was just, hey, we've got five random people. We're going to shove them in a movie together and we'll see what happens. Oh, you don't know their names? That's fine. Nobody else does either. Yeah. It was just so much fun. And that was the big thing. It was a fun, it was a fun space opera that had not known had had that much fun since the original star wars in my opinion i'm trying to think did guardians come out after force awakens it uh came out the year before didn't same it? year was it the same year 2014 i thought force awakens was 2015 oh maybe maybe it was the year before I think it was then 2015 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah because that was the thing is i remember this being the whole this was the reintroduction that everyone was getting excited for force awakens or maybe force awakens came out in the fall of, or in the the winter i don't remember but everyone got excited about that, but then kind of went to this and went, whoa, this is great. Like, yeah. this is the new benchmark for space space operas since the original trilogy. It definitely made a big dent in the Marvel landscape and just really bought, brought people back to science fiction and having fun with science fiction rather than it being really dull and not dull, but really dark and... And brooding, and it made it fun again. It marvelized the DC yeah, universe of pretty much. Yeah. Um, and now you have Kill Bill Volume Two, which, which admittedly, as I just finished saying, I'm not the hottest guy on. I, you know, the Kill Bill series I really liked one. I relatively enjoyed two, but it's not you know my go-to movie for any real way see i saw when kill bill and volume one came out i wasn't aware of it i didn't see it in the theater and i don't even think i saw it till after volume two because i remember kill bill coming out in the theater and i watched it uh when it was out in the theater still and being so taken aback from this from again from similar th reasons i like guardian from the music from the style from the the acting, I mean, sure, it wasn't as fun and high energy as... Well, there was high energy in some respect. It was. But there are some action sequences that are so well done. A lot of quotable lines. That film just really sticks out in my head. Because I remember hearing about Kill Bill 1. Or maybe I did see before Volume 2. Because I remember being really excited to see volume two. So I must've seen volume one before Yeah, and being so incredibly satisfied with how they landed the ending with all of it. And I, like, I will fully say that it is a movie that wrapped up that storyline very well, had the great follow-ups to the first movie with the characters that were left relatively untouched, the introduction of a few more characters that, you know, weren't really touched on in the original film. It was done very well it's just, it's a personal thing for me that I'm not the biggest, that style of Tarantino movie. That fan. scene though, that fight scene when he fought, when she fights uh, Daryl Hannah in the trailer. Yeah. Is so just bone breakingly intense. It is. And has a beginning, middle, and end, yep. squishing the eye between her toes. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, and like. Snake. Yeah, and there's just there's so much great dialogue and monologues, but this is also the second film being compared to a first film. It's true. And if this was Kill Bill Volume 1, I think this would be closer for me, and I would potentially lean towards 
Kill Bill because I remember so many sequences of that movie being the first time those those things had really been kind of done, right? It was obviously not by no stretch the introduction of wire foo into Americanized cinema, but that whole sequence that happened inside the dojo with uh, the girl who was in Battle Royale, whose name I can never remember, but fantastic Japanese yeah. actress. Um, her name is Gogo in the movie? Yeah, her name is Gogo in the movie, and she's got that crazy uh, spiked ball. Yeah, on the chain. On the chain, yeah. yeah. Um, whatever it's called. I think it's called a Kamari. Um, and, uh, yeah, and it's just so interesting to see that whole introduction. And then, you know, all the characters. You've got Lucy Liu. You've got... Um, I'm trying to remember what the other girl's name is, the black girl, who has the fight in the house oh, with her daughter. Yeah, Viper. Right. But uh, the actual actress's name, I can never remember. Um, but yeah, that, that whole tense fight sequence where they're fighting in the house and then the daughter comes home and then all of a sudden they've got the swords up behind there or the knives, kitchen knives held behind their back, basically willing to put everything on hold to make sure that this daughter doesn't see her mother die. Like there were some really great scenes. But in, in volume that. two, you got her going to, does she not go to Japan in the second one? She goes to Japan in the goes second to one. See she gets Hattori the sword, Hanzo. Hattori Hanzo. She breaks out of the box in the ground with the one inch punch. Uh, my name is Chuck and I liked the yeah. yeah. Right. So there are a lot of things in the second one that are very, 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 very and good. Buck. I love Buck. I love uh, Bill's brother. Bill's brother. Yeah. It's the what's where it's, he dies in the trailer from the asp that Daryl oh, Hannah visits him. Right, 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 right. And yeah. he's in every Quentin Tarantino movie. I can't remember his name right now either. Yeah. Uh, but he's in Pulp Fiction. He's or no, he wouldn't be in Pulp he's Fiction. In he was, he, Reservoir Dogs. He's and, in Reservoir yeah, Dogs, yeah. and I think he was in Inglorious Bastards. No, he was in um, Hateful Eight. I never saw Hateful Eight. Oh, dude, it's good. Really, it's really, really good. I think the problem for me is I always this is totally off topic, but I always um, I always put Hateful Eight in the same. Uh, ballpark as that shitty Adam Sandler what is it the terrible seven the Netflix the ridiculous six no don't you Netflix. dare compare those I know two. I know that I can't compare them but it's that it came out of the hateful eight no. and then like six months later Hate, the ridiculous six and hateful like, eight is is the closest thing to seeing Tarantino on stage the whole thing feels well, a like Western, a, an right? amazing play yeah like because it all takes place in that one, in cabin, one cabin, and you can yeah. just see it being on stage. Anyway, uh, yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people are divided on the Kill Bill movies. Yeah, way more people are onto the first one, of course, because it's course. more iconic and has that yellow, that awesome end fight scene where she's wearing the yellow jumpsuit and all that. Yep. Um, but for me, Volume Two is so quiet and so powerful, and is much more of a drama than the other ones. The first one's more high octane in an action movie. Mm. There's great action scenes in the second one, but it's much more slowed down in a drama. And there's imagery from that second, from that volume two, that I cannot get out of my head to this day. It's really affecting film. Um, in that it could have just been kind of like similar to what Guardians Volume Two did, mm -hmm. in that it could have just been a sequel. Which what guardian sequel was it was just like we're just gonna give you all the things you liked about the first guardians and like add some new stuff again without changing up the story or the tempo or give you any new information it was very by the numbers with like you like jokes here's more jokes you like drax being funny here's drax being more funny whereas volume two could have just been the same high octane you know stylistic film but it was different and it was slowed down and it, it took a different approach with the same tools it definitely went more psychological than the first yeah, one yeah first and one was I, very in your face obvious action dialogue and everything very um not narrated per se but very easy to follow on rails yeah right whereas the second it was a lot more slowed down it was that subtle introduction of other and characters. also it can't deny that it was a female-led action movie when there were not very many female-led action films. That's true. Especially ones not doing very well. I would argue that Kill Bill franchise paved the way for a lot of the female-led action films we're getting today, like Wonder Woman and uh, Atomic Blonde and all Atomic these Atomic Blonde, yes. Wonder Woman, uh, I, I think that was a, that's a, another discussion, but... 
Yeah, um, I will agree that Kill Bill is a great movie. I think this is going to be one where no matter what is said, my pick is Guardians. Yeah. It just is because that is my kind of movie, my kind of soundtrack, my kind of action, my kind of comedy, all the right characters, every great introduction of this brand new, brand new departure. It's also for, harder because you got again, you got a movie one against a movie two. So making but even like, still movie one versus movie two, like I, I can appreciate everything that Kill Bill Volume Two is. For me personally, it's that type of movie that I just don't really quite resonate with as much mm-hmm. as I do with Guardians. And the thing for me is that Guardians, while Kill Bill was definitely great in paving the way for female leads in action movies, even just like female on female interaction in movies because there's a there's a big i can never remember the name of it uh, but uh, one of um actually my ex-girlfriend uh we ended up having this discussion watching um john wick 2 that there are less than i think it's something like less than 30 percent of all movies made in hollywood have at least one scene longer than 10 seconds of a woman talking to a woman about something that isn't related to men or their love life that's it. And this is definitively one of those movies, right? There are so many female-on-female discussion talking sequences in this that it definitely paved the way for that in a time when that was not popular, right? This movie came out in 2004. That was almost 15 years ago. That was well before any of the big push towards female stars in, the, in movies. But when I look at Guardians, that is... Disney and Marvel saying that what we're doing right now is working. We're going to go balls to the wall left field and just throw something out there that's hilarious and stupid and just see if people like it. And then it influenced uh, the third most popular uh, uh, movie in the Disney Marvel franchise, Thor Ragnarok, influenced Guardians 2. I don't think influenced Spider-Man Homecoming that much per se, but there was one other one that I can, can't remember that's like of that 80s, very bright, um, neon-esque. Yeah. I just can't remember what it is. It's not Doctor Strange. Anyway. Maybe it's another one coming down. But yeah, for me, I lean towards Guardians because, again, it's also up my alley of nerddom, of the true introduction and explanation to the masses of what the infinity stones are, you know, the real introduction and lead into what, um, infinity war was promised because we knew about Thanos. The, the nerd culture knew what it was about. We knew the infinity gauntlet storyline, but I'll give you that for as like, if we're talking about like a creative angle to both movies being made, this one, had a lot of risks behind it. It did. And it had a lot of... Like, they didn't have to make this movie. In all retrospect, like, on paper, they should have been like, no, we're, we don't want to make this film because it's for D, D-level characters. Like, no one's going to care about him. But this, they believed in James Gunn, the director's story, so much and how he wanted to make it that they were like, we've got nothing to lose. We've had so many successes. Like, fuck it. And they wanted to expand the cosmic universe of Marvel, and it did that so much so that they just released that the third movie is pretty much going to be like the conduit to an expanded, an ex, uh, an extended cosmic cinematic universe. That they're yeah. going to make like Marvel hero movies on the ground, and they're going to make cosmic Marvel movies with all these different characters. This might finally be Beta Ray Bill, maybe or Nova. Oh, definitely or Nova. Nova. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to have to agree that out of the two. One very stylistic, dramatic, an original story from Quentin Tarantino, but this other one, it's kind of like a like a flowing jap like a very beautiful Japanese painting next to like um, Andy Warhol. Yeah, Andy Warhol's party in one of his lofts. Exactly, and it's like one you could hang up in your in your living room and like stare at it and like get emotional watching it but one is like you will never ever ever forget that time you got to party with Andy Warhol and his friends in the fucking loft that (laughs) one time all right Guardians wins against Kill Bill volume two good debate there 
Okay, we're searching, we're searching. Okay. Oh, no. <laughs> and arguably, out of these two movies, one could have just made the other one happen as well. I'm done. I just, I, I'm, I'm, I, I give up. Flick chart, you win. We're, no, we're not doing this. Yeah. We're not doing this. We're not doing this. Yeah, we are. Oh my God, we're not doing this. Let the fucking battle commence because we have the Terminator 1984 versus the Matrix 1999. Absolute Goliaths. How, of the, movies. how the fuck are you going to start this one? First off, do you have a favorite? Out of those two? Out of the Matrix or the Terminator? No. <laughs> They're on equal levels. Either of those movies are on TV. I'm watching those movies. Saturday morning rolls around. I'm watching one of those two movies. There is no differentiator here. There, There isn't. Like, the only differentiator is the fact that they are made... 15 years apart with 15 years more technological advances in movies to create the Matrix. That's it. They're so good. <laughs> They're so good. I'll be back. That's it. That's all I have. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, I'm trying to think of, like, something from the Matrix, and it's just like, I know Kung Fu. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. I'll be so... back because I know Kung Fu. All right, well, we got to start somewhere, so let's start with The Terminator. All right. James well, Cameron's masterpiece. B-movie turned, cult classic turned... Was it B-movie when it came out? It was... Because before The Terminator, I believe James Cameron came from, like, the Roger Corman school of filmmaking, where, like, you know, low-budget horror films and stuff like that... Um, and then I can't remember what he was doing. He was either working on film sets or he wasn't a, he hadn't gotten a full fledged like actor or director job yet. And then Terminator, Terminator comes along and it was supposed to be this just very typical B horror film plot that uh, was going to be done for very like next to nothing. And then he comes along and gives his two cents creatively about the backstory and everything. And it all just works out so incredibly well. Yeah. Um, it burst Arnold Schwarzenegger's career. It's Well, it didn't burst it. It created it. it yeah. It, it created Arnold Schwarzenegger's career. It launched a franchise that is... Still trying to be, like, given more chapters and grown to this day. Yeah, I'm trying to think. So, to this day, they've had five movies. Yeah. Two TV shows. And a third TV show, I believe, is in the works. I don't know about TV show, but they're trying to do another... They're doing another Terminator film with Deadpool director. Oh. And James Cameron, and James Cameron producing. Wow. Although he produced... Terminator Genesis, and that was a fucking horrible film. All right, well, mark against James Cameron, but not mark against Terminator. But for special effects at the time, it was effects, revolutionary. Even, even practical effects at the time. Yeah. It was so well done. And then we come to The Matrix, the movie that redefined what action movies can be. Yeah. Right? That had two sequels, uh, feature films... That had uh, the Animatrix and I think one other um, animated spinoff that catapulted the Wachowski now sisters to the forefront of everyone's minds. The fact that this movie—I'm trying to think—Matrix Revolutions came out in 2000 or Matrix uh, Reloaded it was in 2003, so that's a four-year gap. No, Reloaded is 2002, Revolutions 2003. Okay, so even still, so a three-year gap. But when this movie wrapped, I don't think even to this day, I've seen a demand for any sequel more than when this movie came out until the second one did. 
Can you think of a movie that there has been that much demand that for they wanted a, a sequel standalone? To the yeah, for a standalone film that did not need a sequel, that the entire world went, "Where's the fucking next one?" I can't think of another movie that does that. I mean, I know a lot of people like I don't know the thing like the Matrix sequel wasn't. Like we want this, yeah, I think. It was. I think people were very satisfied with just the Matrix as itself, and if like, but that was a different time in films. That was a, that was. was a time in films where you, if you got this was twenty years ago, like the us getting one solid great movie and nothing else following up with it was like the culture of films. Like you mm. would get way more one standoff films that were awesome and had no sequels. Then now it's expected to have five sequels attached to any movie. Yeah. Um, like Fifth Element is one of those films to me where it's like great standalone film. Could it have a sequel? Yeah, sure, I guess. Do I really want it? Uh, not yeah. really. I just remember. It'd be fun to explore more in that world. Um, the Matrix is such an expansive world yeah. that you could take it in a lot of different directions. You don't have to follow the Neo story, but like. You can even just follow another character's story in, in the, Matrix, the Matrix, yeah, or follow someone's story growing up in Zion. But the, the Terminator is kind of the same way. Oh yeah, because the totally Terminator can. was an amazing. But they did oh, all of did. those things. Yeah, <laughs> that same thing where you know James Cameron comes to this Terminator movie. It's pretty basic. Then he introduces the the, the idea of what if the monster, the Terminator, is from the future and he's gone back in time to kill. The mother of the leader of the free world. And what if the leader of the free world goes back in time to stop that creature from killing his No, mother? don't you make it more complicated. They already did it for the fucking <laughs> selves. But that that concept like just gave birth to such an expansive world that yeah, they made one solid film and it was a pretty in its own right was kinda it, well, I can't say it's a typical like monster chase movie because it's not at the time it also there was nothing that was along those lines well the concept of terminator had been done a lot like it, it it on its core it's a typical like monster movie like jason like yeah big unstoppable force is coming after you and no matter what you do you can't stop it that concept has happened a lot in films sure. up to that point but the layered backstory and the characters within that was yeah. what made it so unique and different mm -hmm. And I think when that first Terminator came out, no one was clamoring for, like, we need another Terminator. People loved the one-liners. People loved Arnold Schwarzenegger. They loved the sci-fi quality to it. And then they come out with a sequel. That is arguably better than the original. Oh, it is. Yeah. Terminator 2 is one of the best action films, best films of all time. Yeah. And does what everyone hopes a sequel will do. It's bigger it's and better elevates. than the first one. Yeah. And, and expands the world a little bit. Yep. Um, but then Matrix sequels comes along, and that and is not the case. No. And well, and I remember, and I think the thing here was it's kind of the reverse, where the Matrix was so highly regarded as this groundbreaking, massive, you know, it was the first introduction really of CGI fighting. Yeah. Right, and that was the whole. Th I'm trying to remember what the name of the program. But was. But no, they, like in in Reloaded. No, in Matrix. There's not a lot of CGI fighting. There's a lot of camera tricks with them fighting. But oh no, sorry, I'm thinking of the the 360 cams. Yeah, the 360. The, the more cams. of the yeah. the more of the filming, filmmaking aspect of that film. They right. did a lot of techniques that had never, been, had done never been done before. Yeah, and then the, it was the CGI fighting came was in, in Reloaded, which does not stand no. the test of time. Well, and that's the thing though is that we have to take into account not the franchises, but the specific movies. Yeah, and I think looking back on things, but yeah. for their times, like God, for the their special effects yeah. for Terminator when he's like ripping his. Cutting into his skin to expose the skeleton. skeleton but even the skeleton yeah. itself, like, going through and trying to grab... Uh, grab Sarah Connor. Yeah. And, and then, yeah. But then at the same time, we look at things like bullet time fighting, right? Doing the, the crazy lean back with the slow oh, motion. Yeah. 
that that had never been done before. No. Right? Those kind of things with the bullet time was just non-existent. And then the plane crashing into the bill or the uh, helicopter crashing into the building and the warping of the glass. Yeah. Right? And then the introduction of, you know, the world outside our world. That so, we're living in a in a a dream sequence. And these are the two franchises that you know, crossovers talk are talked about a lot with superhero films. Oh, yeah. But, like, these are two properties that could actually just literally just one line can be given being like, oh, the Terminators? Oh, yeah, those are the machines in the Matrix. And yeah. you'd be like, that makes sense. Yep. That makes total sense. I wouldn't even, like, argue that at all. I'd be like, that makes total sense. The Terminators, Cyberdyne was part of this. Billion dollar idea. Terminator, Morpheus. And it's all about the Terminator going back to try and kill Morpheus the kid. Preventing him from pulling people out and ending... Eh, I don't know. I know because they we can't do that now because of what the sequels put into place. But if you took into account just the first movie... That Morpheus was this guy and that he had been trained back. And he was the one who pulled the one, the you know John Connor style kid who was going to end everything out of the matrix and then all of a sudden now we're going flashback in time to morpheus as a kid and neo is there oh my god that would be so cool that would be crazy. right if there were no sequels to that movie like where we knew what the whole you know ending storyline of zion and everything was with the architect and all that bullshit but if that was just that movie that would be a really interesting segue or like it turns out that John Connor was the first person to break out of the Matrix. Oh yeah. <laughs> and he started Zion. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Anyways, we're totally off topic here, but th this is just it's so incredibly difficult because these are Titans in very similar, if not identical, categories. Well, I would argue one's more of like a monster movie and the other one's more of an action movie. Because Terminator 2 is more of an action movie, but Terminator 1 is literally like monsters coming to get you and there's nothing you can do to stop him. Yeah, that's true. And The Matrix is more about becoming woke and like getting out of... <laughs> becoming woke. <laughs> becoming woke before there was woke. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, and with amazing, amazing action sequences. Amazing action sequences. The introduction of, you know, the world beyond ourselves. And you know that there was a lot of people who went... I need to get out of the Matrix. So then are we going to... Like, this is weird because I've been really surprised that they haven't made more Matrix-centered projects because... I'm not. Because I think the severe But there's so backlash. much you can do in that world. Oh, yeah, there's, there's so many don't things. Don't do any... Don't. I'm not saying don't make any projects that involves neo morpheus trinity none of them none of it yeah literally just another random group of people if the animatrix films gave any implications that the animatrix films if no one's seen it it's it's a series of short films different animation styles of just people's stories within the matrix either people running for the machines or the first time someone was uh, unplugged a whole bunch of amazing stories all kind of culminating, accumulating, 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 accumulating together, coming together. Uh, but man, with all so many franchises being brought to television and a lot of different stories and films, and like Star Wars is a great example of this. You can do, you can have so many stories set in that universe yeah. that don't have to cross over and touch each other. Um, well, you know, maybe that's not a great example because the one film they did do that in didn't make any money. But <laughs> Matrix itself is like you could literally pick any fucking point in the world to do it in. You could. Like, and you could pick it, any any point in either world. It's a fake reality for all that you've known has been around from the dawn of time to the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 80s, 70s. Like you could literally make... And it depends on what you wanted to do, whether you wanted it to be, you know, a group like Neo and his friends doing a different mission within the Matrix. Yep. Leading up to maybe them discovering Neo as a prequel series. Yep. Or literally just or someone living in the 1950s in a normal job and just like noticing weird things going around. 
and just seeing like a spoon floating in the air and being like, what the fuck? And then like realizing like he's not in the real world. You know what I mean? Like there's yeah. a lot more you could do, but they've never touched on it. Now, Terminator franchise, they've taken fucking a million swings at this thing and only gotten it rice twice. They got they did Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines. They did Terminator uh, Salvation. Salvation. They did Terminator Genesis. Genesis. And those three were so just like by the numbers bad. Yeah. Didn't try to do anything. Like the whole reason Terminator franchise was so life changing was because it took not only risks, but it was such a milestone in filmmaking and special effects and storytelling. And the last three that we've gotten has been so vanilla and so basic and just like numbers yeah yeah so it's just funny to me how they've like i feel the matrix has because with terminator you have to follow certain criteria you have have to to have someone come back through time you have to have you know all these boxes to check up but with the matrix world it's like you could do literally anything you want Uh, yeah you just need to be either in the real world or in the matrix but the limitations of what you could do are like non-existent yeah I would actually really almost appreciate to see a Matrix movie from several different story points of having like a Matrix movie from the perspective of an agent who, you know, we kind of got that with what happened in Revolution or in uh, Reloaded and Revolutions where Agent Smith was no longer part of the program and he... Oh, you mean a program that kind of becomes self-aware? And right. Like, I don't or like it, the yeah. creation of the Oracle. Oh. Right? Like yeah. something like that where like this program goes rogue and knows that they should be turning themselves in for deletion, but then they decide not to and suddenly start to help all of those other people. And then now it's a it's a chase movie for them trying to get away from the agents. And maybe like the Oracle when she was younger was able to do that combat to, you know, waylay the agents and prevent them from being able to get in, or an origin movie for Agent Smith. Right, the creation of that program to deal with all of these woke individuals who are coming into the matrix, and then his job is just to kill everything, and then you know really dive into what happened after Neo broke him, or even go a step further than that. You've got a kid in Zion who was born in the real world, right? Nothing ever part of the matrix, no idea, anything, no plugs, uh, right? Like a uh, uh, tank. Uh, in the first movie he was he was no plugs he was a real kid born in zion and that was his life and then you've got him taking into account all the risks and associations with that and then going through growing up in the military within zion and then joining onto a ship and then being on the nebuchadnezzar and going on from there any of those storylines would be fantastic i would love to see all three of those and then just like you said the same thing you're a person in the matrix just noticing some things are a little bit weird. Maybe, you know, life just kind of goes a little bit sideways because now you start seeing stuff floating everywhere or you're noticing those ghost programs that aren't supposed to exist. That's a program not doing what it was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Right? All that kind of thing. All of those, any of those storylines would be amazing, but it feels like they've just kind of put it to bed because they did the opposite of what the Terminator did, which is they put out an amazing movie which the Terminator did, and then two shitty sequels. And then we're like, nope, we're done. That's it. We don't want to do this anymore. We don't want to risk anything. We want to leave our legacy of one movie. Well, their two sequels was pretty much one film. Like, they filmed it like Lord of the Rings it style. Was, it was yeah. one giant movie that they split into two. It's actually too bad because I, I like this is just a personal opinion. It's not a popular one, so call me out on it however much you like. I actually like Reloaded. I don't love it. But I actually yeah, it's not like terrible. it. Like when it I like first... it more than what people other people give it credit for. Yeah, and I think the problem there is that with the first one was so groundbreaking and so amazing in every way that when they came out with a movie that was just good, it didn't it didn't hold up, right? It was the uh, Return of the Jedi to Empire, right? Where it's this unbelievably amazing, life changing. Everyone regards it as one of the most amazing films of all time, and then just a good movie. Right, And so it, it gets this shitty rap as being this terrible film. Then we go to Revelations, which is actually just a terrible film. Like, none of that. There's no further character advancement. There's just death, decay. Suddenly he's blind, and then he, but he can see because he's 
Neo, but he can see in the real world because he broke the architect, but the architect wanted to kill him, but now he doesn't want to kill him because Smith is... It just... it. There's so many converging storylines there. And the ending of that still... It's like the ending of Lost where here's the ending. Take it or leave it. Like this is what it is. Is Neo or uh, Neo becomes a Smith, but then he breaks out of it and all the other Smiths break and he dies. Yeah. Why? What what did that? What about him allowed him to do that? The whole point is that Smith was able to take over other programs. Yeah, you could you could, you could easily make new films that take point from there. Yeah. Like the re, the Matrix or everyone, everything has been like rebooted and it's starting from new and new problems that arise from that and everything. Yeah. yeah. Or even something as simple Unanswered as... questions. Yeah, even as something as simple as the Matrix still exists, but because of now the um, uh, the truce between Zion and the machine mainframe, you know, maybe Zion doesn't have to live underground anymore, right? Now the, the machine mainframe, everybody knows that still exists it's a truce so they're not going to be attacked anymore why doesn't zion go to the surface world and then the follow-up movie could be them uh moving from underground back to the surface world getting back to that lifestyle you know even though they blacken the skies figuring out a way to you know repopulate i would act, i wouldn't mind watching like sort of a storyline where everything comes full circle like they come from they come from the underground they come back to the surface they work to build their society back to the way it used to be they start introducing little bits of technology the skies have come back things are green again mm-hmm. and they start getting back to the way kind of how we live and they start like playing video games start getting back into VR and the VR becomes a bit too real and then everyone's stuck in their VR and then everyone's in the matrix again <laughs> That would be really cool. And then it all goes sideways. The machines take over again. And like, that would be kind of fucking hilarious. Like, you idiots! You did it again! Um, <laughs> the Matrix, but, whoops. <laughs> yeah, the Matrix, whoa. Um, but yeah. but anyways, we've argued on. the potential of their franchises. The potential of their franchises. But we are here to argue the specific the two bir- movies. The births of two sci-fi giants, Terminator or the Matrix. And I, and I think it's... James Cameron... James versus Cam- the, the Wachowskis, Wachowski, yeah, the Wachowskis that are now sisters that are that have not made anything good since the Matrix. Let's be honest. No, well, I'm trying to think. It was the Matrix, then it was Matrix Reloaded, which was V for good. Vendetta, which is good. V for Vendetta, which is good. Matrix and Speed Racer, terrible, which is not good. Oh, they did that. Oh yes. Oh, good lord. And then the ever so popular Jupiter Ascending. <laughs> 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 You can't see this right now, but Jordy is fake vomiting. It's real. <laughs> it's real. Oh, God. that I actually remember seeing that movie because Noel was so excited. Best movie of the summer. We have to see this. Opening night. Of course he Let's would do this. say that. We go out and go see the movie, and we walked out. It's the one, one of three movies in my life I've ever walked out of a theater was that. And then after that, I didn't even realize that was the Wachowskis. Um, but yeah. Looking back on things, I think the thing for me is birth of franchises, Terminator is a better movie for a birth of a franchise. Standalone film, The Matrix has my vote. I know. I have to I think I'd have to say that as well. Influence wise, you know, the the Oh man, but Matrix has tons of influence too. It's hard to argue those points, but because Matrix has a lot of influence in the filmmaking of how it was done, you know, which obviously Terminator has as well. And Terminator has the sequel, which is a better movie than the first one. It's the Spider-Man debate all over, yeah. right? Where Spider-Man one was very, very good introduction of a good character, and then Spider-Man two was amazing, blew it out of the water in every way. This is that same thing where if I feel this, like if we were talking about Judgment Day versus the Matrix, Judgment Day versus be, Matrix, this would be a lot closer. Yeah, and I would lean, I think, towards Judgment Day. But I, I think just as a standalone film, the Matrix is so perfectly good. Yeah, everything it does hits home. Everything about the film, about the love story between him and Trinity. It's not overblown. It's not this ridiculous, you know, be all end all thing. 
but you know it has the power of for the first time ever that love can restart the brain right and they end of the film and then the whole emp going off at the end of the movie and then they have to figure out how to get back to zion just everything about it was so well done and still to this day one of if not my favorite action sequences of all time is morpheus and neo in the dojo it is so well choreographed so Quit trying well to hit done. me and hit me Quit trying <laughs> to hit me and hit me oh my god do you think that's air you're breathing now <laughs> yeah. Again. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so good. And Lawrence Fishburne, I mean, God, we we can't say enough amazing things about the guy. Yeah, I think yeah. I think you're right. It's hard to compare It's two hard to not give giants. Well, the thing for me is it's hard to not give the win to Terminator. Because right? It's because it's Terminator. it's fucking Terminator, but... and it's so legendary in its scope and in its influence on film classics that have come after it and most and you know you'd you'd be crazy to think that the terminator did not influence the matrix oh absolutely in any way shape or form but you know it's got a lot of nostalgia love in there it does um and there there might be you know more classic film lovers out there that will say you're crazy the terminator should win because it's an original idea. It's it's ideas and th- well, yeah, the the, the concept. So, so is the Matrix. I guess, I mean, but it's it's easy for the any ma- movie that you, it's an alternate reality that you get pulled out of and have to rescue people from. Well, the Twilight up- Zone had similar epi- like the Twilight Zone TV show, like the old school one, had a lot of episodes of concepts that were made into movies way far off than that terminator being one of those man going maybe. back in time to change history maybe um but anyways off topic but yeah. as and it's harder because they're you know one like the the times and they were made obviously you know if the terminator was made in 99 who's to say what kind of filmmaking that with james cameron behind it i was gonna say wasn't one of the sequels from 99 or 2000 uh, no i think Oh, Rise of the Machines. Was it wasn't made by James Machines. Cameron, though. It wasn't made by James Cameron. but I'm, I'm talking about James Cameron made Terminator film in yeah, 1999. In 1999, yeah. Uh, but, oh, man. It's, I want to give it to The Matrix, but part of me is like, no, don't. Don't do that. Yeah, like, no. You can't give you it can't, up you can't so do that. easily. You're fucking sacrilege piece of shit. That's, that's giving up on such an influential classic. But at the same time, you take the red pill. <laughs> oh, shut up. <laughs> you take a blue pill and you see how far the rabbit hole goes. Well, that's because that's ultimately what what we what we how we decide who wins and who doesn't is if Memorial. one was getting wiped off the face of the planet, what would you feel you would want to stay? And see, and this is the problem. This this is where the sequels come in. Is if Terminator One is wiped off the face of the planet, there are no sequels. We don't get Terminator 2. Nope. But if the Matrix is wiped off the face of the planet, we don't get the Matrix. Right? That's the thing for me, is the Terminator, if that's wiped off the face of the Earth... I would argue that if Terminator is wiped off the Earth, do we even get the Matrix? We do. I really think we do. I think they're different enough that, granted, some of it definitely does correlate to the Terminator in a lot of ways, but... The difference, the differences between that, the mentor storyline of uh, Matrix, the whole going into this alternate world to uh, inflict changes that are actually real world changes, but it's the real world changes for those people who are in the fake world. And it's hard because in my head when I'm thinking about memorable scenes to compare... I just keep thinking of Judgment Day scenes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that like riding the motorcycle doing the uh, the shotgun flip. Right? You can't All... kill anyone. Yeah. Oh my god. He'll live. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think you're right. I think the Matrix is going to have to win by a hair yeah. next to Terminator. As far as the film overall, the the standalone film itself. Yes. Irrespective of the world that it exists in and, and sequels, spin-offs, everything, as a film. I think The Matrix is just a better movie. And with that, guys, 
we are going to end this session of the Flick Chart Debates. My name is Kevin Parr, a.k.a. Rated Parr. This is G. Rose, a.k.a. Jordy Rose. Thank you guys so much for listening, as always. Uh, we will see you again next week. And as always, put down the remote and go watch a motherfucking movie.